best friends and introverts, welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or welcome if you're joining us for the very first time. As always, I am your introverted host, Chelsea Brown. This week, we are going to be talking about mysterious deaths and disappearances throughout history. I love a good mystery, and even so, when said mystery has not been solved. So I found a couple deaths, a couple disappearances, and we are going to get into it today. But before I get into that, and before our mental health check, I have something to ask of you. The question is, do you have a scary story that you want to share on the podcast? I am collecting some listener submissions for next week's final Halloween episode. If you want to be included, send me a DM at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E, so quiet pod, or email me at hello at cbrownauthor.com. I'm looking for ghost stories, I'm looking for unusual sightings, I'm looking for stalkers. If you know someone who knows someone who knew John Wayne Gacy, like, I'm into all things creepy, spooky, scary, whatever. So if you have any stories like that, I want to hear it. Send it to me on Instagram or to my email. Both of those things will also be in the show notes if you forget or if I'm talking too fast because I know, you know, it's, it's like something I do, but I'm just excited. <laughs> so uh, yeah, in the show notes, either one of those methods of reaching out to me is fine, but I want to hear your story. So send it to me, long, short, I don't care. I just want to hear it. Okay? Okay. So now let's get into our mental health check. As always, we are going to rate our mental health from one to five, one being absolutely horrible, five being absolutely amazing, Just check in with yourself. How are you feeling? Like, really, how are you feeling? Not, oh, you know, I'm fine. You know, like the classic thing that you always say at the Starbucks when the barista is like, oh, how's it going? And you're like, oh, good. And it's like the worst day of your life. And yeah, I'm not the barista at Starbucks. I'm your best friend. So you can tell me how you're really feeling. And I will tell you how I'm really feeling. So how I'm really feeling is... Probably like a three. Like generally, I'm feeling okay. Um, I have like some stuff coming up. I have this week a pitch contest on Twitter for my book. It's like a extra way to query your book on social media. I have five really good pitches written out. I am cycling through them throughout the day. And we'll just kind of see what happens. But I feel kind of stressed about it because... I'm like putting these pitches out into the world, not just to like an agent. So it's not a closed atmosphere type situation. So I'm a little stressed about that, to be quite honest with you. However, I am making good progress with my writing. I am reading On Writing by Stephen King. It's his like writing how-to book. And it's not like I've read a lot of this is what you should do to write well books, And, like, for the most part, I hate them because it's always, like, this is the only way to do it. And he doesn't frame it that way. He frames it more like, this is what worked for me. Maybe it works for you. And some things he's saying are making sense to me. So, for example, he writes 2,500 words a day and he writes his whole first draft without anyone seeing it. So 2,500 words a day, every single day, starts in the morning, office door closed, doesn't leave the office until he gets his words. So I have not been doing 2,500 words. Like, (laughs) let's not pretend that I am Stephen King level anything. 
However, I have been doing a thousand words minimum and I've been averaging around 1500 words a day, which is good. And I have completely eliminated the thought that I'm going to take this chapter by chapter to my critique circle. I love my critique group. They are an amazing, valuable set of people. However, I think that I end up writing the story for them versus writing the story I want to tell. And I need to stop doing that. It's not helpful to me. It does not benefit my story at all. I think that that kind of happened with my previous book that I'm querying now. And because of that, I kind of had to go back and rewrite the whole thing. And I don't want to do that again. It was very painful. So yeah, I am writing with the door closed, quote unquote. And once the draft is done, I'm going to print it out. I'm going to go through and read it, draft it again, and then I will send it out to my critique circle. I will send it out to beta readers, etc., and kind of move from there. But I'm kind of liking this method of writing. It's kind of working for me. And it makes me feel like I can just write the story down and I don't have to worry about what someone's going to say about it on my Thursday night meeting. As you may know, <laughs> I am somewhat of a perfectionist and I'm overly concerned with what people think about me. And writing is something that I've always done, but it's always been kind of private. So sharing something and then having someone say like, oh, I would change this. I don't like this, whatever it makes me want to write to please them versus tell the story I want to tell. And to be honest, just because like, for example, five people at my critique circle don't like it doesn't mean that it's a bad story or a bad book. So I just need to stay true more to myself and my creative vision than being concerned with what someone else is going to think about it. So that's kind of weighing on me a little bit. Um, but there is, there are, there's good stuff as well. I went back to a tennis lesson. I'm getting back into tennis. I am due to play a match coming up here on Monday and I'm very rusty. Like, let's not pretend that I'm not. I haven't touched a racket in two months and my confidence is very, very low. I went to the tennis camp that I told you guys about and because of that, I feel like I spent three days being told that I don't do it correctly and true, like, like, don't get me wrong, accurate. However, I feel like that really shook my confidence. And whereas I can be and I like to be a very confident and aggressive player, I don't feel like I have that ability anymore. Um, and I just kind of need to get back out there and make it happen because not doing it is just not an option. So we'll see how it goes on Monday and maybe it'll be my last match ever, but maybe not. In other news, um, the Tesla, uh, we finally got a date. Well, a two week range. It will be here the first two weeks of November sometime. I'm so excited. I hope it's here before November 11th because that is when I have jury duty and I would rather drive downtown in the Tesla and just like enjoy it because I think I'm going to be looking for reasons to drive and going downtown is like a chore anyway. So that would be awesome. So yeah, that's what's going on for me. Um, I'm pretty heavy in the trenches with my writing at the moment and I don't foresee that stopping, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm feeling it and feeling it out and seeing how it goes. So bestie, check in with yourself. Tell me how you're feeling. You can pause the episode because obviously I can't hear you talking to me. However, by 
telepathy or osmosis or whatever, like just send the thoughts to me. You can just offload it onto me virtually or telepathically and just let it go. Realize that however you're feeling is correct. It's okay. A bad day is not a bad life and you don't have to feel bad for feeling good. Okay? Okay. So pause me if you need to, but if you're not pausing me, let's get into the book, TV show, or movie of the week. So if you're sick of Halloween content already, I'm very sorry. You have this episode and next week, but then you'll be free of it for a little while. But my TV show this week is a horror TV show. It is called The Midnight Club. It is on Netflix. I watched it over the course of maybe three days. It was very good. The premise is that there's this hospice for terminally ill teenagers that meet at midnight and tell scary stories. There's something like kind of witchy and sinister happening in the hospice itself. I binged the first six episodes in one day. I kind of like to watch something in the vein of what I'm writing while I am writing. It kind of helps me become unblocked. It's like I can just focus on two things and not focus too hard on one thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a weird thing to do. But anyway, I really like the show. But I will tell you first, the first episode has like 27 jump scares. Not even kidding. Within one scene, it, it was intense. It was intense. However, I kind of expected it, but there's literally, it has a record for the most jump scares in one episode. So take that with a grain of salt. There is kind of this like demonic kind of undertone. So if you don't like that, this will not be the series for you. I will also tell you that the person who made this series is the same person who made Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, and what was the other one? Midnight Mass. I loved all three of those series. I loved this series too. The only problem is, is that I hated, I hated the last episode. I think the last episode was unnecessary. I wish they would have left it how it was on episode nine instead of like tacking this thing on at the end. And I especially hated the last episode because there are a ton of questions remaining. And the person who made this series is known for doing one-off seasons. So Haunting of Hill House did not have a sequel. Haunting of Blind Manor did not have a sequel. Midnight Mass did not have a sequel. So I'm fearful that The Midnight Club will also not have a sequel, even though it like really, really direly needs any sequel whatsoever. Even another episode to kind of tidy some stuff up. I have so many questions. The questions that I had throughout the series were not answered. I I loved it, but I hated it. However, I think that it is worth watching. I just want you to be prepared that the last episode will leave you very unsatisfied. So episodes one through nine, honestly, super bingeable. Could do it in one day if you're committed, right? They are hour-long episodes. There are 10 of them. Would I binge them all in one day? Yes, but, but I also have stuff to do, so I did not. But yeah, I highly recommend it, but with a grain of salt. So that's my rec for, for this week. And with that being said, let's get into some mysterious deaths and disappearances. I knew about a couple of these and I didn't know about others. One that I knew about is going to be the first one that we talk about, and that's going to be the death of Edgar Allan Poe. 
everyone knows who Edgar Allan Poe is. He's the guy that wrote The Raven, The Pit and the Pendulum. Like he's a very popular 1800s short story gothic writer. Okay, everyone knows who Poe is. What you might not know is how he died. In 1849, Edgar Allan Poe disappeared, poof, without a trace for six days. When he is found six days after his disappearance, he is immediately taken to the hospital because he is hallucinating. He's asking for some dude named Reynolds and he has a high fever. He does eventually die and doctors said at the time that the official reason was cerebral inflammation. So he had like a brain infection, but there was no autopsy done, okay? Modern medicine speculates that rabies could have been the cause of death or he could have been poisoned. So with rabies, you'll have the fever, you'll have the hallucinations. I remember there was this one episode of House, if you ever watched House back in the early 2000s, there was a woman who had rabies and no one could identify what her thing was, blah, blah, blah. But it would be kind of fitting for a gothic writer to die of rabies. Anyway, we don't know. As I said, people have also speculated that he could have been poisoned by his fiance's brothers. His fiance's family did not approve of their marriage. So it's not entirely unlikely that they would have tried to off him. Another theory is that Poe was actually a victim of cooping. Cooping is a method of voter fraud where people will kidnap other people, dress them up, drug them, and make them repeatedly vote for a certain candidate and like switch out their disguise every time. It was very common and the place where Poe was found was actually doubled as a voter registration place. So not entirely unlikely, right? And especially because when he was found, he was not wearing his own clothes and he was intoxicated with something. Again, there was no autopsy done, so we can't actually say what he ingested. Modern day technology was able to find out that there was no lead in his hair. In the 1800s, lead was very common to be found in wine, which is what he probably would have gotten drunk off of but he didn't have that in his hair. And I don't know if this is like, if if he died six days later, is it, how much does your hair really grow in six days? You know what I mean? I don't know how I feel about that one, but we will never get closure on this because his death certificate and all of his medical records have vanished. All we can do is speculate. Now, I gotta say, if I remember correctly, and you're just going to have to go on my assumptions because I'm not doing any extra research than what I did. If I remember correctly, Poe was actually selling his stories during his actual life. It wasn't just post-mortem that all of a sudden his stories became popular. So I think it's really bizarre that this person vanishes for six days, dies at the hospital, brain infection, found wearing somebody else's clothes, apparently drunk, and no one's like, man, we should probably do an autopsy on this man, right? Because maybe he was like a minor celebrity at the time. So I don't think it's entirely improbable to speculate that this was all kind of foul play. Poe's stories are very, very dark. The Pit and the Pendulum is one of my favorite stories. I will not spoil it for you. It's, it, I mean, to be honest, it the title kind of gives it away, but you need to go read it. 
it's it's awesome and the way that he writes is just so visceral and i wonder if something he wrote about triggered something in someone else to where he was kidnapped and not just for voter fraud because if he is selling his stories if he is like a minor celebrity in the area and if he did frequent the bar where he was found that was used as a polling place wouldn't people have recognized him I'm like, yo, that's Edgar. I know him. I see him every Tuesday. So I don't know what happened. Personally, I think he was poisoned by the brothers or poisoned by a fanatic. Just my theories. What are your theories? What do you think happened to this man? And isn't it so weird that like the king of gothic horror writing might have been murdered? Okay, next, let's move on to the mysterious death of Jeanette De Palma. In 1979, a corpse was found in a rock quarry, ironically, in a section known as the Devil's Teeth. This corpse was found because a dog brought home literally a person's arm. So the police go and investigate, find the corpse, identify the corpse as Jeanette De Palma. They had to use her dental records to identify her because she was so decomposed. However, her body was fully clothed. To this day, her death is a mystery. It's not been classified as a homicide, but there are some people who believe that she was murdered by Satanists for a ritual. The theory is she was killed by the devil's disciples, quote unquote, when she tried to spread the word about Jesus Christ. This is backed up by the fact that where she was found in this rock quarry is an area used by neo-pagans for sacrifices and rituals. The police were actually so convinced by this theory that they brought in a witch to help investigate. Eventually, this was kind of dropped. The crime scene photos didn't show enough evidence to support that Jeanette was actually used in a ritual. Initially, there were eyewitness testimonies that said that she was found on an altar, that there were little crosses scattered all around, but the crime scene photos, when they were actually released years and years later, did not show this. I'm not sure what that's about. This theory of the Satanists actually killing her for a ritual comes just before the, what was that called? satanic panic in the 80s and I wonder if this was like a precursor to that and was never actually linked to it. Another theory is that Jeanette overdosed while she was with her friends. Jeanette was a recovering addict and people said that her friends panicked and then just dumped her body in a quarry. I don't know which is true. What's very interesting is that there seem to be so many theories but it's all like, oh, well, this could have happened. This could have happened. Not really too much evidence to back this up. And even now, in 2022, this case remains open and her death is still a mystery. Okay, next. This story is about pilot Frederick Valentich. In 1978, Fred boarded a Cessna for a routine flight to pick up an order of crayfish. He was flying off the coast of Australia. Flight should have taken just over an hour. 45 minutes into the flight, he is radioing his air traffic control guy. And he's like, hey, do you see any other aircraft here? 
And the person on the other end is like, no, I don't see anyone else. And Frederick is like, um, there's something out here. And he describes the vessel as large, metallic, with four bright landing lights and a green light attached. He said it was passing over him at great speed. He couldn't tell how fast it was going, but he knew that there was just something weird about it. The person in air traffic control, the last person to speak to him, noted that he sounded very stressed out during this exchange. And four minutes later, the radio went dead. The last thing that Fred said was, it isn't an aircraft. Authorities think that the plane crashed, but they never found it. Years later, an engine cowl flap matching Fred's plane washed ashore. But otherwise, there is no sign of Fred anywhere or his plane. The theory is that there was an alien aircraft flying around him and that he was actually abducted. Now, people that know him mention that he was very into the extraterrestrial type stuff. So is it possible that he wanted to see something that wasn't there? Yes. But is it likely that he wanted to see something that wasn't there and he vanished forever, never to be found again? I don't know. I don't think that's particularly likely. Okay, next. This story is about the unsolved disappearance of the Jameson family. This is more recent, it's in 2009, and it's in Oklahoma. There are two parents, a man and a woman, and their child, Madison. This is a really strange case, and I watched a bunch of videos on it, and no one really seems to know definitively what happened. And it seems like there's a ton of evidence, but it all leads in different directions. So I don't know if there's misleading evidence. I don't know if there's planted evidence. I don't know if maybe the investigators are missing something. I don't know. So here's the story. This family was planning to buy a 40-acre plot of land, and they were going to take a look at it. They had this, like, storage container like you see on big ships, and they were going to live in that storage container on their plot of land. And that's something you see really commonly now, like the tiny homes thing. And I think there's this show on Netflix. Uh, I forget what it's called, but literally they make the homes out of storage containers and they look awesome. So it's not unheard of. So they're going out to take a look at this land, check it out. Someone who lives near the plot of land did see them go like to the land. Like they were confirmed to have arrived at the plot of land. And then after that person sees them, no one sees them again. Eight days after they were last seen alive, the Jameson's truck is found abandoned in a remote area of the woods. Inside the truck was $32,000 worth of cash. The dog, which did live, by the way, was very emaciated but was alive. Wallets, purses, cell phones, and jackets. It was noted that it was like cold outside. So if the family were to go like for a hike or something, you would at least take your jacket. Maybe you would leave your wallet, whatever. I'm not sure why you would leave the dog, but people are like, they left this stuff because it was supposed to be just a quick short excursion. They wouldn't have just left their dog. So when this truck is found, investigators come out, they try to see if there's like a sign of a struggle, like they were kidnapped or taken somewhere against their will, and there's no sign of a struggle. 300 people began a search, 
within like a five mile radius around where the truck was found and found nothing. Four years later, the partial skeletal remains of two adults and one child are found in the woods and it is confirmed to be the Jamesons. The medical examiner couldn't determine the cause or the manner of death because of incomplete remains, but was somehow able to say that the deaths occurred under suspicious circumstances, which like, duh, you know, like the truck was abandoned with a ton of cash in it. And it's worth noting that the family of the Jamesons didn't know how they came across $32,000 worth of cash because they were both on disability at the time. So it's not as if they had this like big old nest egg or a bunch of income coming in where they could save this up. Their family did not know how they came across this amount of money. So the medical examiner is like, I don't know what happened. Good luck. There is a lot of speculation about this case. People have said things like the father was involved with the mafia. People said that the father killed a black cat and there were witches in the area that didn't like it. That the father read a satanic book. That the mother was unstable. That there was a cult after them. And what's really weird is that there is a security tape in which the parents, you can see them like literally packing up their car, but the way that they're doing it is not like you would normally pack up your car. Like usually if you're packing up your car for a road trip, you're talking to the person you're packing with, like, hey, do we have this? If you have a child, you're trying to get them all situated. But the way that these people were moving was so bizarre, as if they were in a daze. People close to the family also mentioned that the Jamesons claimed they had two to four ghosts in their home. I'm not sure why two to four. I'm not sure, like, if they were just unable to identify, but just sounded like more than two, but less than four. I don't know. Thought that they had ghosts in their house. And the father asked a priest if there were special bullets to shoot spirits. So it seems like there's just like a lot happening. This feels very much like paranormal activity when people are like they have the spirits in the home and they start acting really weird. And like I know paranormal activity is fiction. I understand. But like what if it's not? You know what I mean? Like aren't all the best stories based a little bit on fact. At this time, there are no suspects in the disappearance or the death of the Jameson family. Supposedly, again, there are a ton of leads, but they lead in different directions. And ultimately, the case remains unsolved. I think that the disappearances are weirder to me. Because where were you for four years? What happened to the pilot? Did the aircraft just go down in the water? Like, what happened? How can you disappear without a trace? And part of me was like, okay, it was like the late 70s. You don't have the same technology that we have today. But you're telling me that 10 years ago, I could still disappear without a trace? I don't know if I had to choose. And I'm not saying I want either of these things. I'm not claiming that energy. But if I had to die or disappear, I think I'll take the die. Thank you. Yeah, because the disappearance, no one else knows what happened to you, but you do. And you might be out here suffering, like suffering big time. Some You might be going through the, literally the experience of a lifetime and it could just not, not be a good one. On that note, that is about all we have time for today. 
As a reminder, I am looking for listener stories, scary stories, deaths, disappearances, stalkers, ghost stories, weird sightings, weird feelings, anything. I want to hear it all. Send it to me on Instagram at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E, so quiet pod. You can also follow there and I will keep you up to date with all future episodes. You can also email your stories to me at hello at cbrownauthor.com and I will read them next week. That is all for now, my spooky, spooky friends. I will see you next time. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.